0: Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. What's up, everybody? Big sports day in this fair city of Nashville, Tennessee, Blaine. Uh, your former teammate, Eddie George, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. He was the rookie of the year. He was the heck of an NFL football player for 10-plus uh, years, and now he's a head football coach for the Tennessee State Tigers. Well, you talk about some history, great football history. He steps into a lineage. Of uh, great coaches over there, and he will get his opportunity to coach this the Tennessee State Tigers. It was fun hearing him tell the story of how it all came about today. Uh, Hearing from the administration and Dr. Mickey Allen about how he was basically targeted. That's the guy that they wanted, and they went after him, and they got their man, Eddie George, now a head football coach.
1: Yeah, Eddie George played nine years with over ten thousand yards uh, rushing, uh, Heisman Trophy winner, and I can say all these things and adjectives about him but he's never been a head coach. He's never been a coach. Uh, So this is, uh, you know, them following the model of uh, the Deion Sanders, you know, at Jackson State, bringing a lot of PR and a lot of attention to their university in more ways than one from sponsorships to, uh, you know, players, to money to the university, uh, alumni base, of bringing a lot of excitement, uh, let alone a guy who, Uh, anything he touches, it, uh, let's say, turns to go. So I think uh, uh, part of his legacy, this is going to be the true litmus test of how he does here. because This will be the toughest task because why? Not just because you're a head coach, but because now this is something that you don't control when you were as a player. Now it's you as a coach where you have pretty much no control over the actual outcome because you don't impact it on field actions uh and uh with the help of fisher and crew uh hopefully he'll get that all squared away and with his staff that can help him uh through uh difficult things that he hadn't experienced before so that's a great help with having coach uh fisher and fishbone and his son and whoever else may be on their staff uh, potentially so uh, but a lot of excitement for TSU athletics and, and the football program right now, and they, and they should be. Uh, but ultimately, is how quickly uh, can he win and, and will you stay on board, you know, after the first season when they're probably somewhat middle of the road uh, or right. wherever they are and, and still support the program and Eddie, uh, you know, throughout the, you know, turnover of
0: him being the coach for the next two or three years and see what happens. Uh, we've got some sound. Corey Curtis of News Two, who worked with Eddie, as part of his. He's been a broadcaster. He's been an entrepreneur. He's been all these different things. Corey Curtis, uh, I think, actually asked the first question. Kind of got Eddie to tell a lot of the story about how this came together. But this was Eddie George from earlier today in his official press conference at Tennessee State.
2: That's a huge responsibility and one that I did not take lightly. Um, when I was presented with this opportunity, um, a few weeks ago, I I was speechless, I was floored, um, I was like, no, (laughs) in the beginning, but I have to be honest, when I, I had uh, some excitement about it, like, man, that would be pretty cool to, to be a head coach. I see what Dion has done down at Jackson State, the, the energy that he created. Uh, coaching wasn't on, my, on the forefront of my mind, but when I talked to my family, uh, I said, Tamara, listen to this. You know, They want me to be the head coach at Tennessee State University. Can you believe that? I said, what do you think? She says, well, why not? <laughs> That's what a wife is. I said, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I did my checklist. I put down the pros and cons. Um, I, I reached out to um, several NFL coaches I've leaned on. Um, some friends and family for some sound advice, both um, in the profession, out of the profession, uh, in the working world, um, in the entrepreneur world, just to see what they thought about it and to see what this job would entail. Um, it, it's, it's truly an all-boots-rise mentality when it comes to this. Um, when you look at any football program, the eyeballs of an institution are through the football program. Eddie George, and, and he's right.
0: that's boy. Uh, Lucas was figuring out the best place to that's, It was a very long sound bite. We just wanted to make sure that you could hear some of it, kind of how his thought process went. But the last thing he said about eyeballs of the university come through the football program that's a gosh that's a hundred percent true. Um, and there are people who are on campus sometimes who are involved in education uh, in various avenues. And they always say, well, sports doesn't matter. Why, why is football so important? Why is this so important? And it puts eyeballs on the school. So today, the eyeballs of the sports world are on Tennessee State University because they hired Eddie George to be the football coach. And so every time they do something for the first time, it'll get more eyeballs, his first win, his first game, as he starts to put together the staff. And anytime time one of these names comes out, it'll put more focus on Tennessee State. Now, Blaine, as you said earlier, and you're 100% right, Having a great press conference is great. Having a big day and everybody dressing up is great. But at some point, you have to start winning football games. And that that's the only thing that matters is winning football games. So they're going to have to do that. But today, Mickey Allen and, and the crew over there, the administration, they targeted Eddie George. Like he said, they called me and asked me about doing this. I said, no. But they stayed after it. And uh, here we are today, a few weeks later. He's the head coach. But uh, a lot of eyeballs on TSU right now. Big opportunity for them. Um they talked some today about money. And somebody asked, Hey, the previous coach said there were some budget constraints. And they and, and Mickey Allen answered and said, We're prepared to do the things that are necessary to execute Coach George's vision. Well, they gotta start raising a lot of money to do that. Because obviously they came up short when it came to it, Rod Reed's full scholarships, summer school, those kind of things. I'll be interested to see just how quickly things change in those regards to give Eddie and his staff a better chance to compete, Blaine.
1: Yeah, it seems like they, uh, they are, they're prepared to do all of those things that, uh, unfortunately, maybe, you know, better timing for Eddie than coach Rod Reed. Uh, but, uh, he didn't get that kind of support, uh, and, and, and probably wasn't intentional on uh, TSU's part. but that's where it all starts. You got to get support from uh, the university and understand yep. that, uh, you know, he's going to be the face of TSU, not just the football program, but the university. Uh, so right. that's kind of a, an interesting dynamic. And that's what happens, uh, And especially if you, be, you have a lot of success, whether it's sooner or later uh, at some point. Uh, so uh, my whole point here is, you know, you're going in an arena that uh, you haven't been in. Not to say you won't do really well, but what do you do? Because as a player, you controlled everything. You also, you know, he, he never really had any adversity that he dealt with. Uh, that was out of his control Uh, and that's what can happen as a coach i mean you get that phone call at 2 a.m you know let's say the pandas up there doing donuts outside and then what happens you know or you know somebody uh was somewhere they wasn't supposed to be and a girl said he did such and such you know those are the things that we can't predict and how those things are going to go but those are things you have to deal with when you're a coach you have to make uh, some decisions that sometimes. you know you don't want to make and you got to make them because you know that's what you have to do so those are things you just don't know that can come up as a coach and you don't think about those things because you're you're hoping you recruit the right kind of players that uh, understand that Uh, but we all know things happen in this day and age so how do you handle adversity as a coach when Corey Curtis and all the guys in the media who all you know love Eddie George and then you start losing games and then they go attack dog on you how do you handle the adversity not to say he he won't handle it correctly but if it's over time and time and time again, all you got to do is just ask Mike Grable. Then he'll just bite him in a bit, attack dog him, just like Vrabel. We sit there and say, I'm not going to ask you questions about uh, Bowen again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's, you know, you wonder how those things work when, you know, your beloved figure as an athlete and now you are now a coach. So those are the things that he's going to have to deal with that none of us has ever seen. Uh, and I feel like he'll be a pro's pro with it, but you still behind the scenes, it could be eating away at him. And next thing you know, Eddie George went from six, three to uh barely taller than Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> and we well, can't say, him, about say, him say
0: that because he can't say he's going to lose hair because he doesn't have any hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, but would you, when you talk about him being the most recognizable person at TSU, he might be the most recognizable person in middle Tennessee besides some of the country singers. Yeah. yeah. You know, be I mean, He's just recognizable well, I mean, you know, anybody. Fish, Fishbones
1: on there. Fishbones on there. Yep, for sure. You know, uh, the freak uh, maybe, uh, Peccarini maybe. You know, it's it's just a lot of celebrity that live here outside of sports arena that a lot of people know. Uh, so, but he he would definitely Eddie George be he'd be at the top up there somewhere. No
0: doubt about it. Uh, Coach Mack is at the top of uh, guests for us. And guess what? He's set to join us next. We love having him every Tuesday. It's time for the Mack attack. He and Rhett Bryan are breaking down the draft every Wednesday night on the zone. And we are about to get with it with Coach Mack. That's next here on Blaine and Mickey 104.5. Oh, man. Blaine and Mickey 104.5, the zone. (laughs) Rocking our way through our number two of the show. Appreciate you hanging out with us today. Um. Eddie George, officially the head football coach at Tennessee State. Shay Ralph is officially, uh, I guess the news conference hasn't happened yet, but she's here and she's the new head women's basketball coach at Vanderbilt. And the draft is, gosh, what, less than three weeks away. So we got to keep our draft series going here and our talks going with Coach Mack. Coach, uh, we all have things in life that we're excited about and that we look forward to like a little kid. I'm that way about the draft, but I got a feeling when it comes to the draft, guys like you and Rhett Brian aren't much different. You love this time of year.
3: Well, I absolutely do. First of all, how you doing, Mickey? What's up, Blaine? Well, uh, uh, you know, yes. I mean, this is my 35th draft. Okay. Ooh. so uh, if you do something for 35 years, you either like it or you're really miserable. And I know it. Okay. so, I mean, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. I, I you know, I, I used to really like recruiting those 13 years. I coached in major college football and evaluating talent. And when I got into the league, I learned that I had to readjust my whole evaluation process mm-hmm. and abilities. And I was very fortunate that Bill mm-hmm. Tobin took time to teach me, you know, uh, how to evaluate players. Cio Bricado helped me a whole lot, you know, as far as learning how to evaluate college players for projection into the National Football League. And so, you know, I, I, I've taken it very seriously every year because as an assistant coach, you know, when you were asked, you know, to write a report and then read a report in a room full of, you know, uh, with a head coach and with with all the powers that be and the general manager, well, you better be, you know, pretty sure that you've got a conviction on what you're saying. Not that you have to be right or wrong. You just need a conviction and a reason why you're putting down, you know, some of these emphasis. So, as I say, for 35 years, I love it. I absolutely love doing it now that I'm broadcasting, you know, with, with, with Titans Radio uh, with Rhett Bryant. You know, when I first got here, Rhett asked me in the offseason. Uh, he loves the draft. He always has. He said, to Coach Mack, I'd love to know really how it goes on inside a draft room, not on, only on draft day, but how do you set up a draft board? What is the process? And so he and I have been working very closely together. This will be the fifth year, and uh, it's really good. He's really good at it. He loves doing it. He digs some great information, and uh, this year will be no different. Uh, the the draft show that he and I are doing with the month leading up to the draft is a lot of fun, and then I'm really looking forward to Titans Radio Draft uh, this year.
0: Coach Dave McGinnis brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage at affordable price? Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They got you covered. Getting the Mac attack right now on Blaine and Mickey. All right,
1: Coach. Tell us uh, exactly when that date is. When which is on Wednesdays. The time that everybody should tune in to 104.5 the zone.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Blaine. Yes, it'll be a, it'll be it's Wednesdays uh, from seven to eight. It's live. It's just like Mac Talk was during the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's on from six to seven. Mac Talk is uh, draft talk with Rhett and I. Is on from seven to eight on Wednesday nights right here on 104.5 the zone. We take all calls. This week, we're going to be talking about the wide receivers and the tight ends, but if you want to call in and talk about any other anything else uh, uh, related to the draft, the Titans draft or the lead draft, we're more than happy to talk to you. It's an hour that goes very quickly. We always have a lot of calls, a lot of Twitter questions to answer, and uh, the reason Rhett and I wanted to do it, because we want to just reconnect with the fans before the actual draft gets here, so thanks for asking, Blaine.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. We're on with Coach Mack. Uh, about to give us the real Mac attack. Coach, I want you to take us into being that you've been in the league so long when you were a coach and a head coach too at the same time. Is do you change your objective when you know you have a really good team and you know this team is capable? And we know anything can happen in the playoffs, but you know this team is capable of winning a Super Bowl. And you're probably saying, okay. We only need a couple pieces. If we just keep rolling like we did, granted, you're going to make some adjustments and evolve your team every year. But do you change your thought process on how you attack the draft and looking at players uh, and then also whether you want to move up or down or around or don't move at all? How, what is your thought process when you're sitting in that draft room and, you know, having your plan all the way up to draft on how you approach it when you know you have a playoff caliber team,
3: potentially a Super Bowl caliber team here in the next couple of years. Yeah, Blaine, that's a very insightful question and it's very relevant. And I will answer it first of all and say this, you always draft to your circumstances. You know, you always draft your circumstances and, it, and, and every team's circumstance is different whether that be the personnel they have, you know, whether that be the the situation with their staff, whether that be whether they're a brand new staff, both scouting and coaching staff together, you know, a lot of it depends on your draft position. So the the answer to your question is, yes, you draft to your circumstances. And that is extremely, extremely important to understand. But to understand, but to do that, Blaine, you have to have a real good idea of who you are. Just mm-hmm. like you need to have an identity, you know, every week when you go out to play. You have to understand who you are on that on, on that week in preparation for the opponent that you're going to, to, to face. The same thing when you approach an offseason, you have to understand where you are and who you are and then where you're trying to get to. And when I say you draft your circumstances... I mean and it takes everything into consideration. It takes it 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 takes salary cap, it takes, you know, the the age of your players at different positions at different places. You know, hopefully if you're managing things right, you've staggered things out as to where you've got your 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 roster layered and and you have positions that are that have people ready to come up and help. You have you have people that are ready to step in so you can let some people go because you're going to flip your roster 30% of the year. Anyway, in this year, as you guys well know, with a truncated salary cap, it's going to be extremely, extremely different. And then the evaluation process is a little is quite a bit different this year because it hasn't been much done in person. You know, they you know the combine's canceled, uh school visits are very restricted. So, but to your initial question, do you draft to your circumstances? yes every team doesn't approach the draft the same because every team's circumstances with all of those elements are not the same
1: good stuff good stuff coach matt giving us the mac attack from titans radio i guess i have two questions this is a kind of a biased question we've kind of already you know talked about running backs i just want to see where you have these guys or even if you know about these guys and that's from my university you know, they're at Ball State University. They have two players that did their pro day, Duke Huntley, the running back. I think you have already done your assessment yes. of the running back. As well as the wide receiver, Antoine Davis, who was a Division II All-American who transferred to Ball State and uh, made, you know, second or third team uh, Mac, uh, you know, eventually at the end of his career. Are they even rated as draftable
3: players? I think they're they go third rated? late third-day guys. Uh, uh, both of them. Uh, Blaine, you know, it'd be, it would be late third-day guys. And then what you, what you would look at, and you, you talk about drafting and circumstantials in the draft. Say you get down there, you know, to the sixth and seventh round, and say you, and, and that's, where, that's where a lot of the compensatory picks are. Mm-hmm. Say you've got some compensatory picks down there, and, you, and you're looking at your roster. And, and believe me, when you get to that point in the draft, you're looking at your board. You're looking at your, at your training camp board, and you're saying, you know, we've only got four running backs up here. And rather than have to scramble, in in the free agency period that is the wild wild west after the draft give me some of these people right here that are at the at the bottom of our you know of the second board or that may be in the bullpen that you think might have a chance in camp give me those people so we might draft one there so that we don't have to go through the angst that it takes because i promise you the draft is nerve-wracking but that free agency period after the draft that is extremely nerve-wracking because all of a sudden you know, everybody, it, it, it's wide open to everybody, and it, it becomes the wild, wild west. What the NFL did, you know, a few years back that was really helpful, it used to not be like this, is they set a limit on how much you can you can spend on those players. used to be it was as much as you wanted, you know, and so that made it real interesting too. So to answer your question, both third-day guys, they'll probably both have a chance at least to get into a camp somewhere.
1: All right, and last question for me before I let Mickey take over, and that is, Elijah Molden, the cornerback, slot cornerback for Washington, who it looks like a dynamo. He looks like a, a Cortland Finnegan type player all day long. Where do you have him rated and where do you expect him to go in the draft? And, and I, I think he fit with the Titans, but I, I'm sure they need a lot of different things that they're focusing on. But he, he's a solid-looking player.
3: I yeah, don't and, 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 and player. I like that you, you bring him up. I mean, to me, he's probably a second-day, early-third-day guy. This guy has got some traits. That you look at he 's not probably as twitched up as the top tier guys, but right. that 's why they 're there, but he's still he still is a very very serviceable player, and I like him down there in the in the middle somewhere because here 's what I think he does have I think he 's got really good football savvy i mm. think he's I think he's instinctual and 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 he plays he understands how to play the game, and as you said, I think he could probably play outside and slide in there to that slot, which as you well know. Blaine and our listeners do too. That's a starting position now
1: in the, mm-hmm. in the national yep. football
3: league. So he's a very viable candidate.
1: Well, but coach Mack with Titans radio, giving us the Mack attack.
0: No doubt. Uh, you and Rhett doing a couple of positions a week on those Wednesday night shows against seven to eight right here on the zone. And i sent rest, read a message earlier. He said wide receivers and tight ends tonight. So I was going to ask you this because you and, and, and people who know the draft always talk about tiers of players. Yes. So, how many guys are in your first tier of wide receivers, Coach? How many guys are in your second tier of wide receivers?
3: You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to right now. I'm glad you asked me about. We call them pods, okay? Okay. We call them pods doesn't matter. We're talking about. We're talking about exactly the same thing. I'll tell you how many wide uh, tight ends are in my in our top pod. One, okay? I mean, you know, it. it it's he's, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, 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 he's he's the guy that's in there. The wide receivers, there are six in the top pod. That doesn't oh. mean there'll be six in the first. It's a top pod of guys. we got okay. six, possibly seven, depending on if you want to lump all outside receivers and slot receivers together or if you want to split those two positions up. But the wide receiver group in this draft, Mickey, Rhett and I just reset our pods last night, and it's that's a very relevant question you just asked. And uh, the wide receivers have a good number of people in the top pod, really the top two pods. And then we started setting the third pod and fourth and went, we've got guys here that we think, you know, will be able to do something, you know, and again, I'm not talking about somebody that's going to come in and, and set uh, rookie records, you know, but I mean, I had a guy that came in in the second round and set a rookie receiving record, you know, an Anquan bowling. So you never know where those guys are going to come from, but the receiver class in this draft has got players throughout.
0: And I ask that because the Titans obviously need some help there, but maybe they've got somebody else they like in the first round. But it seems like there would be guys in the second or even the third round that you could go, gosh, this guy could really come in and plug in and help us in some way early on in his career.
3: I think that's a very factual statement. It's a very factual statement. And the circumstances, uh, Blaine talked about drafting the circumstances, the circumstances yes. set them up this year with the number of players in the draft positionally that the wide receiver is a, is, is group, is a group that you could do that with.
0: Um, Josh Palmer is a guy I've actually heard you talk about before. Tennessee fans certainly know him, and, and I've heard you say nice things about him. Where is he, day three guy for you, or does he maybe sneak into the third round, do you think? He's a day two guy to
3: me. I, mean, okay. a, I, I, I I like Josh Palmer. I don't say nice things, you know, about people just to say nice things. I mean, I, I just evaluate a player. And here's what Josh Palmer is a football player. When you watch it, you know, when I'm watching tape, I, 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 I take out how good the team is. I take out who they're playing against. I look at traits. All right. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I do, you know, and I, I'll watch a player two or three times to see. But the first thing I look at, can he play football? Does he know how? Does he like to play football? Because as strange as that sounds, some of these dudes that are athletes don't really know how to play football. Okay, now, so to me, this guy's a football player. First of all, he's tough. He makes the combat catches. Uh, He's faster than people think he is. I mean, I saw him take off on two nine routes against top-tier corner. In, in in this draft, I like Josh Palmer, I, and 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 I'm not saying anything derogatory about anybody that threw the ball at the University of Tennessee. I'm a big Vols fan, but he didn't have many people spinning it to him on a consistent basis, all right? But this guy is a football player. I, I will say this. He will be a second-day guy. Somebody is going to take him on the second day. I like the player. I really do.
0: Man, that's the good stuff. Coach Mack just bringing the heat today. Getting the Mac attack from Coach Mac here on Blaine and Mickey.
1: Yeah, I completely uh, agree with that, and you know, actually, my son got to practice against him. He says he has the strongest hands on the team. Yeah, this guy's got some claws. Okay. Yeah. No doubt about it. Only thing you can't really see with their offense they did last year with Palmer is him running multiple routes, which he got to do with, you know, the bowl games and and the all-star games, the senior bowl, and things of that nature. You still get to see that. Uh, But other than that, that was the only question there with him. I guess I have two relevant questions as far as in regard to the Titans, and that is Titans-Oilers. First of all, I want to hear your thoughts on throwback jerseys for the Titans because they can throw back to the Titans jerseys that I was in and you were there as well. <laughs> Remember, it is. It's a throwback Titan Jersey and then also throw back to the Oilers Jersey and what your thought process is and how that mechanism works with the national football league to get approval, to do something like that, how, how long that takes, but your thoughts on just throwback Jersey in general, once a year, I think they did it uh, for every team uh, that plays. I know they did in the hall of fame game when the Titans, uh, with the Oilers at the time. Uh, But, you know, take us kind of through that and what your thoughts are on that.
3: Well, first of all, there's two questions there. First of all, let's take the the National Football League. It takes a while to get it through the NFL. I mean, you you know, there's, there's a lot of things that you have to do. Now, I'm a big throwback guy. (laughs) <laughs> I love I love the throwbacks. I mean, I've been in this league for 35 years. Yeah. You talk about that Hall of Fame game. You know, we we yeah. played up there. We played up there against Buffalo in the Hall of Fame game where A.J. Trapasso ran the fake punt for a touchdown. Oh, yeah. And I just yeah, about I, remember getting... of, I about walked out of the press box then. I said, we're done for the day. You know, <laughs> when he ran the fake punt for the touchdown. But I'm a big throwback guy, and I think the throwback Houston Oilers uniforms. Of course, you know, I grew up with the Oilers down there. I'm probably one of the only guys that's ever been to an Oilers training camp in Kerrville, Texas, okay, at Schreiner Institute, and yes. that goes back to 1969. Man, so came anyway, there? <laughs> 1969. Yes, so anyway. He was born, but I was not born yet. <laughs> I was, I, 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 well, uh, again, I wasn't trying to get your birthday. Again, <laughs> And so anyway, I've always I've I've always uh, I love the Oilers throwback stuff. I really do. But I'm a big throwback guy for the league because, I mean, I just I, I just love the fiber and the fabric and the history of the league. I really do. But so count me as a throwback dude. Yeah,
1: no doubt about it. I figured you would be. And I guess lastly, you know, it was big news, you know, uh, today, Eddie George uh, being the head coach there at TSU. And, you know, there's talk of uh, Fishbone, a good friend of yours, as well as Brandon on the staff. Uh, Just give us kind of your, you know, in a nutshell, your thought process of, uh, you know, Eddie George now being a head coach. With no head coaching experience, that's why you got Fishbone right there to help you out through that process. But the things that he can't control as an athlete that he did control that are out of
3: his control now as a head coach. Yeah, well, first of all, Blake, I mean, you know Eddie even better than I do, but mm-hmm. I know this and knowing Eddie, he didn't jump into anything without a lot of deep thought to him. Oh, no a question. lot of deep thought, a lot of consultation. I will say this about Eddie George, any any enterprise that he's entered into since he's played football, he's surrounded himself with experts in that field to learn from, and then Eddie's not afraid of a challenge, as you as you well know. Eddie has got a, an immense amount of resources here to him in, in, in that in that area. You, know, you talk about fish; he's got myself here who'd be glad to help him. I mean, I can remember when Ron Rivera and, and you know and Mike Singletary uh, and. Uh, Les Frazier, we're talking about going into coaching, you know, I was involved with those guys as players, talking to them. I mean, going all the way down to you know, all the, to Peter Sermon when he was wanting to get in. Jay Norvell played for me at the Bears. He's a head coach in Nevada Reno now. So look, I've got 35 years of experience and I, I'm more than willing to do, you know, to offer any kind of, of, of answers to anything that, that Eddie has because I believe in Eddie George. And here's the other thing I believe in. I believe that Tennessee State has made a massive commitment and I I was very impressed today when I was watching that press conference. I was I, uh, to, to see the affirmation from not only the athletic director, but the president. When the president of the university, there, there was a question asked about commitment, and it was asked to the athletic director. And the yep. president of the university said, "I'll take that." That's a president's question, and then she went in. That impressed yep. me.
1: No doubt he's getting the support. We are with Coach Mack, who
0: always gives us support and knowledge with the Mack attack. All right, on the way out, Coach, two quick ones. One phone call, one tweet. Terrence on Twitter, we've talked about this guy a little bit before, but he asked, where would Zayvon Collins fit in the Titans' defense? That's one. Then we had a caller who said, I don't want to be on the air, but I wanted to ask Coach about Kenny Gainwell of Memphis. So the fit for Zayvon Collins, maybe a quick scouting report on Kenny Gainwell.
3: Yeah, Gainwell's a good player. I like Gainwell. The, the guy's a, a legitimate, legitimate player, you know, and has got some speed. I mean, I, I, I like that player. Uh, Saban Collins, to me, is, is one of the most intriguing uh, evaluations and players in this draft. Came from Hominy, Oklahoma, which is right up on the, on the north border of Oklahoma. There's about 12 people in town. When he leaves, it'll be 11. But anyway, this guy is a superb athlete. And, and what they did with him at Tulsa was everything. I mean, to me, he would fit in any scheme. You want to run a three-four? This is this is this is your open side outside backer in a thirty-four. Can rush, can drop, can cover. I mean, I've seen him carry people up the seam. Uh, this guy's a space player at six-four plus two hundred and fifty plus pounds. I mean, I like the athlete a lot. Both of those players, I like different types of players. I think Zayden Collins is a first-round pick. Okay, mm. G- Gainwell to me will be a second-day pick. Actually.
0: Man, I, we could go on with this all day, Coach. But we've already used up the whole segment. We got to you quickly today, so uh, just fantastic stuff. So, people who want more, because ideas, we leave you want more Wednesdays. Every Wednesday leading up to the draft, seven to eight p.m. Rhett Bryant and Coach Mac. It's Mac talk. It's draft talk. And like you said, you guys take all the phone calls. I know you take questions from everybody. It is fantastic stuff. It is must listen.
3: Yeah, we love doing it. And I also want to thank, you know, uh, Randy Wilmore and Farm Bureau Health Plans for sponsoring that draft talk on Wednesday night. They're the best. Uh, I'm telling you, Randy Wilmore and Farm Bureau Health Plans, uh, I've, I've hooked up with a lot of good groups in the 12 years I've lived in Nashville, but those people down in Columbia, some of the best.
0: Coach, you're some of the best. You're the best. We appreciate the time.
3: See you, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it, Coach. Coach Mack.
0: Oh, man. Coach Mack talking about throwbacks has got me all in my feelings. He knows that I'm a big history guy, too. He's talking about those throwback Oilers jerseys and all. Oh, man. That's going to happen. And if if they're going to let people wear like a running back or a single digit number, you know throwbacks are coming next. I'm pumped about it. Uh, We got a a poll on Blade and Mickey that is one of the most surprising things that we've ever had. The answers on this poll. We'll share that next. It's Blade and Mickey 1045, the zone. Blade and Mickey. Lucas Panzeca producing. I am merely Mickey Ryan, uh, Indianapolis junior diving champion, Blake Bishop also on the show. I, every day you say something I never knew about you, and today, like, my face is red. You're like, oh, yeah, I was a swimmer and a diver. I was the three-meter man. Three meters? Yeah, on the dive board. Oh, yeah, I should do the triple sow cow, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. hmm Yeah.
1: Yeah. I used to, my favorite though was the one where you touch your toes and you dive backwards into no the way. water. Woo, no I way. love that one. That's when I had some nice flexibility, like Lucas. Uh, but yeah, but I was a freestyle breaststroke guy. I was, you know, I was, I was trying to sprint in the water. But I, I really believe that all helped me uh, with football and the power that I oh, had. Yeah, it absolutely. I swam my whole life until after high school. Uh, yeah, so I was, yeah, I was all in on that, man. I, was, I have a lot of medals and ribbons from all I, I wanted to be greg i wanted to be as good as greg luganus who was an olympic champion I, I really did that was like man you know people I, I played football but that was a topic of that then i was like oh man i can't get a scholarship but i gotta keep playing football i'm gonna give me a scholarship to play play division one football I'm, I'm gonna keep doing that but that didn't work out because i wanted to be a running back like tony dorsett wasn't fast and it, and it, it wasn't as good so uh, i had the tony dorsett cleats and then i then. uh Luckily for me, I played both sides of the ball. So then they like, said, well, you can play DB though. We like you over there. I was like, yeah, you know what? Okay. Do I get to compete to start? Yep. Okay. Well, that's where I'm going. What string would I be if I played a running back? Four string? I was like, Mm-mm, I'm not four string. Nothing, nothing about Blaine Bishop says four string. I'm over there. Yeah. what, what is what is it's that? those like? guys got drafted. Well, one got drafted and one made it to the league in a, in a running back. So I was like, oh, I'm glad I did that. Bernie Parmalee,
0: obviously one yeah, who played a long time, played for the Dolphins. Yeah, right. And then
1: he's still a coach uh, in the NFL. He's a he's a running back coach. And then uh, uh, Corey Crum went, I think, fourth round. Yeah, yeah. And he he didn't last real long, but he he was yeah he was my year
0: too. We were the same oh, year. I was like, oh man, I would have never played. Oh, geez, what? What man. is that like though? Because that because everybody knows that guy from their town or their friend or. Somebody that went to or, or several somebody's, they went to play college football and there were like a great, you know, wide receiver. But they got to college and somebody was like, you should be a safety or they were a great running back. And they got to college and somebody said, no, you're a linebacker. What's that like when you get there and somebody's like, oh, no, you're, you're on this side of the ball now? Well,
1: for me, it was fortunate. I was very fortunate because in high school, uh, we were a small private school, Catholic school, and we got to play both sides of the ball. Uh, at least I did. And we had a lot of players going both ways. So you have a lot of players, small school. And uh, I played uh, running back. I started running back and tailback. And then I started at corner. And, uh, you know, naturally when you get to college, you know, they say, hey, man, you have a better opportunity to play sooner than later over here than there. And it just kept leading me down that road. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 a lot of people don't know, I went to St. Joseph's College, who uh, now is uh Closed, it's closed now. The school doesn't exist. Oh, man. Uh, we were the Pumas. So I went to a Division Two school, and I played both ways there as well. And uh, that's really where I got noticed for the National Football League. And, uh, you know, playing both ways because they had some injuries to two of the running backs, and I eventually got over there and scored as a DB, punt returner, and as well as running back in one game. And they were like, who is this dude? So that really opened the door that I thought I was now a DB as much as I, stood, my heart and soul was in running back, I was smart enough to say, hey, everybody keeps saying I'm a DB. Uh, and they ain't saying, they're ain't not telling me I was going to the league. They were saying, you're just a better DB. And then I said, hey, I have an opportunity to compete, to play sooner than later, then I'm going to go over there. As much as it pained me and hurt me not to play running back, I did it. And then it, it turned to that. I didn't get to safety till I got to the pros. I never played safety. I played a little in high school, but we had a lot of injuries. And so that right. was – for like four games and that was it so you know they were trying to put the best players on the field and to be honest I I, the coach said we're gonna move you to safety because we gotta we gotta put our best five out there I'm looking at him like well why are you gonna take your best corner and move him to safety but I didn't say that I just kept it moving (coughs) just like I did in the pros when they moved me from basically I was a nickelbacker in the pros then they said we're gonna move all these injuries gonna move you to safety I'm looking like oh my god why but I never said nothing. I just kept it moving because obviously they know better than I do. So that's kind of how it worked out. So it all worked in my favor, listening to, to what people were telling me and not just fighting it uh, the whole time. I, I just I went with where I could play. I wanted to play more than I wanted to be right or playing a position that I loved, which was running back. No doubt about it. I played it my whole entire life. And no way in heck would I have been a running back and made it to the NFL and running back. I was nowhere near as good as Eddie George or Marshall Flubler or any of those dude, man. Come on. Well, or any other well, thing. I would have been some average three years and done if, if I made it
0: <laughs> <laughs> and run the back. But but would you have had your Twitter handle on the back of your jersey? Because um, we asked Yeah. We we asked this question uh before we let you go. So we put this, you need to go to Blaine and Mickey and answer this Twitter question. This is fascinating. So UCF players for their spring game got to put not their name, so it didn't say Panseco or Bishop or Ryan. It had their Twitter handle, and people have been talking about this. It was a great move, and Terry Mahajer and Gus Malzahn doing this. So we asked a real simple question. UCF players put their Twitter handles on their jerseys during the spring game. Do you like that idea for players at your school? Twitter is a place where young people hang out, typically. Yeah. 76% say no. 24% say yes. I would have thought it would have been the reverse. Wow. That seventy six percent would have been like, heck yeah, I'll put them all in there. No, no is running away with this.
1: Well, this is where we need Lucas's expertise because he's a young guy, and tell us why do you think the results are what they are in that most, uh, you know, young guys or or gals are are against uh, you know, having their Twitter handle on their jersey number. And this is that UCF now. This is not a big branded powerhouse school, so they're doing it more for publicity and to get attention to the school about their football program uh now i don't know about the big universities with the big brands if they would ever even consider something like that but even at uh, a school like ucf ball state arkansas state doing something like that lucas tell us what's the pros and cons of of having your twitter handle on your jersey as your name
0: well, I want to know who the player is. If I'm at an open practice, like it looked like UCF did, like Tennessee did last weekend, I want to know who this freshman is by seeing his name. His Twitter handle could be a bunch of different things, can be a nickname. I want to know who I'm looking at. I could be triple threat. <laughs> 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 Underscore 007. <laughs> I mean, how many people are actually looking up and following these people based on the back of their jerseys? I will ask those questions of Terry Mahajer. I will get some answers on this. I happen to know him a little bit. I will find out what what this led to. So uh, our investigative reporter, me, will be all over this. I'll see what I can find out about it. Right now, though, it's time for us to go. It is time for 3HL. You don't want to miss that. They'll get you all the way home until 6 o'clock. We'll see you tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel, 1 to 3 here on Bladen. Appreciate Appreciate you.